Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Now, when everything is in the air, 
אני יודע זה מאבק להיות או לא להיות ועכשיו כשבחוף שלי יש דגל שחור שערה כזו של רגש לא רואה כבר אור גם אם הכל עדיין מפורק בפנים יודע שזה יעבור להחזיק חזק עד שיעבור הזעם עד שיחזור אתה לא להתייאש מהנפילה קם ומתחיל מההתחלה
in the a.m. Friday morning hour of Shabbos. DJ Fabreng with Eighth Day and Songs of Soldiers, volume number two. Yaakov Rosenblum, we spoke with him yesterday. It's called Lassos. Lachzik uh, Chazak, that was Akiva. Avi Man with Basov Zeavo. Excuse me, Basov Zeavo. Um... Lecha Abba, done by Elchanan Tasa. The rabbi's sons had Kadshenu and Huelokenu. Those two songs are going back over 50 years. Pretty funny, huh? And Regesh and Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday. It is Erev Shabbos Parshas Va'era on this Friday, January the 12th. Day number two in the month of Shvat. The year is 5784, Tufshin. Pay Dalid. Someone was speaking to me this morning. They said, if you don't go to Israel in January, meaning me, then your streak of going every month is going to be over. So I said, maybe we'll do this streak based on the Hebrew months. And for Shvat, that would give me until the 9th of February to get to Israel. Anxious to get back, frankly, as a lot of people are, I'm sure. A lot of people out there in our audience want to be in Israel right now. It is remarkable how uh, these situations pull us toward Israel instead of the opposite. Just unbelievable. Anyway, on this 12th of January and the 2nd of Shvat, we say it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Va'era with candle lighting in New York at 429. 429 is candle lighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 429 in New York, and again, make sure you know when things start where you are. Sunday, or actually a Monday is Martin Luther King Day here in the United States, so some people may be off. We will be here. We'll actually uh, Monday be broadcasting from our New York City studio on what is for some a uh, legal holiday and a day off, uh, but we'll be here at JMNAM, so make sure to be tuned in, including uh, our great weekend programming. Tune into that as well. 10 o'clock this morning, it's Mark Zomik with the Erev Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, the uh, Erev Shabbos music mix all day long, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. The um, final hour, which I'll be on about 3.30 this afternoon, Eastern Time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow night, Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. That airs uh, tomorrow night at 9 p.m., Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis. That begins at um, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Amazing how Matis is live every Sunday morning. What a tremendous favor he does for all of us. <laughs> us working here, 
and us in the audience who uh, love live programming. And Sunday morning, it, I was thinking especially about the people in Israel for whom Sunday's a regular day, and they, they get to hear a live radio show Sunday afternoon the same way they listen to Jam and AM every uh, Monday through Friday afternoon. So thank you, Matatiao. Um, that's Matas with Jam Sunday. Then, of course, Monday, as we said, legal holiday or not, we will be here at the JM and the AM, so make sure to be tuned in. If you haven't supported our 40th anniversary campaign, please give and give generously. If you're listening right now, it means you, uh, you appreciate the great programming that we put together every single day of the year. Yeah, every single day of the year, which is pretty unbelievable. <laughs> um, so please... Give and give what you can to support our 40th anniversary campaign, fjbunity.org. Again, that is fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and I thank you for that. Uh, Malcolm Honline, one hour from now, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Um, Rabbi Yudin from Israel, Rabbi Yudin from Israel in the third hour. Harry Rothenberg, who I saw earlier this week at the Chibuk event. He'll be on uh, after 7 a.m. with his words about Parsha's Vaera. There's a lot going on here at JM and AM, I must say. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Segal Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. And there you have it. JM and the AM, good morning. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Much appreciated. Uh, coming up, what do we have? Um, let's see here. Oh, Benny Friedman. He's next on a Friday era of Shabbos at JM in the AM. Thank <laughs> Thank you. 
Koi 
Looking back at the trail of tears behind them As the past they cherished disappeared from sight Hearts torn from the home they'd never see again 
Thrust into an exile, wanderers of the night. But along the road she waited for her children. For who else but a mother eases pain? Her resting place was chosen for this reason to be that one lone space of comfort that remains. So we carry our prayers to you, Mamerohe. To you, Mamiroche. When our world seems to end, we come back to you again. Mame, don't stop asking when. Mame, Mamiroche. Mame, you did not ask why. Mame, Mamiroche. Mamme 
JM in the AM, our news from Israel. Here it is at JM in the AM. בנוסף, בטיעונים המשפטיים הציג פרופסור שור כיצד דרום אפריקה אינה נשענת על אף סעיף מהאמנה נגד רצח עם, כאשר היא טוענת זאת נגד ישראל. דוקטור טל בקר פתח את הדיון כשאמר שעבור רבים המשפט לעולם לא עוד היא סיסמה, אך עבור ישראל זו חובה מוסרית נעלה. עד כאן לפי שעה מבית הדין הבינלאומי בהאג. כתבתנו לענייני משפט, אמר שונמי, מציינת כי הדוקטור גלית רג'ואן מהצוות הישראלי הציגה את השימוש שעושה חמאס במתקנים אזרחיים למטרות טרור. היא הוסיפה כי פינוי אזרחים הוא אחד הכלים המוכרים בחוק הבינלאומי כדי לשמור על חיי אזרחים. לא פעם חמאס תקף את כוחות צה"ל שיבטחו את המסדרונות ההומניטריים, אמרה רג'ואן. נשיא טורקיה ארדואן תוקף את ישראל ואומר טורקיה מספקת לבית הדין הבינלאומי מסמכים לתביעה נגד ישראל ותמשיך לעשות זאת. אני מאמין שישראל תורשע בבית הדין, אמר נשיא טורקיה. הוא גילה גם את המתקפה הלילה לחות'ים ואמר כי בריטניה וארצות הברית מנסות להפוך את ים סוף לים של דם. כך ארדואן. מוקדם יותר הקרמלין קרא לחות'ים להפסיק את המתקפות על ספינות בים סוף. דובר הקרמלין דמיטרי פסקוב גינה גם את המתקפה של בריטניה בארצות הברית הלילה בתימן. ידיעה שריכזו כתבנו ברק בטש וג'קי חוגי. מזג האוויר גשם לפרקים בצפון ובמרכז, הטמפרטורות תהיינה נמוכות מהרגיל לעונה, בחרמון ירד שלג, הלילה הגשמים יתחזקו בצפון הארץ וילוו בסופות רעמים וברד, קיים חשש מהצפות במישור החוף הצפוני. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת ואירה בירושלים ב-4.25, בתל אביב ב-4.36, בחיפה ב-4.23 ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת ב-4.38, ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר. בירושלים ב-534, בתל אביב ב-535, בחיפה ב-533, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת מחר ב-537. לכל מאזיננו שבת שלום, אלה החדשות, מיד בגלי צה"ל עדכון מיוחד.
JM in the AM. That's from the Yiddish Nachas Shabbos Nachas collection uh, here at JM in the AM. They call that officially uh, Rikude Shabbos. Rikude Shabbos. Harry Rothenberg has uh, something to say regarding Parsha's Va'era. His words are uh, brought to you in honor of a Rafur Shlema for our dear friend, Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Harry Rothenberg here on a Friday morning at JM in the AM. Oh, and I don't know why. Not sure why our file's not working. We'll check it out and uh, figure it out, hopefully. And Harry will join us coming up at JM in the AM. Before we continue with Yair Rosenberg, I think, I think uh, Harry Rothenberg and his presentation are ready for us here at JM in the AM. So again, Harry's words uh, in honor of a refuah shleim, a speedy, full speedy recovery for Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Harry Rothenberg on a Friday morning hour of Shabbos at JM in the AM. In his commentary on this week's Parsha, Rashi has a very famous explanation as to why sometimes when the Torah lists Moshe and Aharon, the two brothers, Moshe's listed first, and other times Aharon's listed first. He explains the reason is that they were equal. Now that sounds great in 2024. Everybody's equal. Everybody gets an A. We don't play favorites. But let's be honest, with all due respect to Aaron, we know that Moshe was greater. We say in our prayers, Lokom Yisrael Kamosha Od. There never arose anyone among the Jews like Moshe. Later in the Torah, God tells Aaron and Moshe and Aaron's sister Miriam that Moshe is not like anyone else. I speak to him face to face. So we know Moshe was the GOAT, the greatest of all time. He's number one. They weren't equal. So what does Rashi mean? The classic answer is that Rashi means that they were equal to the extent that they both fulfilled their potential, which is extremely rare. If you got a chance to hang out with your potential, with the perfect you, you would not recognize that person. You'd finish the experience and say, wow, that is an unbelievable human being. Moshe and Aaron both hit their full potential. So yes, Moshe had more potential, but the fact that they both hit the maximum means that they were equal. But there's another possible explanation. With respect to the laws of Ben Adam Lamakom, the ritual laws, the relationship between man and God, Moshe was clearly number one. No one ever enjoyed a closer relationship to God with respect to those laws. However, with respect to the laws that are Ben Adam Lechavero, the interpersonal laws, with all due respect to Moshe, he wasn't number one. His brother Aaron was. Aaron who spent his life making peace between two people. He'd hear that two guys were in an argument. He'd run to both and say, you know, that fellow you're arguing with, he's looking to apologize to you. And he'd say the same thing to the other guy. Really? And he'd make peace. 
And so Rashi's telling us ingeniously that by flipping the order of the names in different instances, the Torah, God is teaching us. You might think that the laws between man and God are more important than the laws between man and man. They're not, they're equal. And I can't think of a time in my life when this lesson was more important than right now. Open up any newspaper, go to any news site. Israel is on the front page. Why? Because it's the Jewish nation. It's not there because people like falafel or hummus, because it's what the Jews are doing. Now you might complain if you're Jewish. Why are we held to a double standard? Why are we held to a higher standard? Yes, you should combat all the fake news about us, but realize that should make you feel better. It should lift you up. Realize that we count, we mean something. The world is looking at us. We're supposed to be the light unto nations. And when the rest of the world is looking at us, they're looking at all the Jews. They're not just looking at religious Jews, they're looking at religious Jews and non-religious Jews and Jews who are atheists and Jews who are agnostic. They're looking at Jews. Every single Jewish person right now is representing the Jewish people. And when that world comes to visit, they're looking to see how careful we are about the interpersonal laws. How honest are we? How kind are we? How sensitive are we? Do we keep our word? Now, more than ever before, it's critically important to realize the importance of those interpersonal laws and to be better. The entire world is watching us. Share, Gabra, the toads are right, the 
with Benny Friedman and Misha Beirach. And yes, we pray for Tzva Haganah Yisrael, our amazing and incredible soldiers dedicated to protecting our land of Israel, our state of Israel, and of course, Jews around the world. The incredible soldiers of Tzahal. Yeah, your Rosenberg before that with the Dror Yikra here at JM in the AM. Uh, well, last night I did it. I had uh, I had threatened to do it a couple of nights ago. I don't remember. Maybe last Thursday. I don't remember how long ago. But last night I did it. I boiled up the delicious A&H knockwurst. Oh, my gosh. They are just, I mean, you never saw such a plump hot dog or hot dog-looking item in your life. Incredible. And the taste is just phenomenal. So flavorful. Incredible. So that's what you do. You get a package of A&H knockwurst. You take some hot dog buns, toss on some ketchup or mustard, whatever your preference is. I wish I had, would have had some relish last night. I can't do this. I got to make sure whenever I do the knockwurst from A&H that I have some relish around, some hot dog relish. Very important. <laughs> very, very important. <laughs> Yesterday, grilling for the IDF we had on the air, and they were talking about that the special spice they need for the steaks and burgers. Um, I need that hot dog relish when it comes to... Uh, the delicious A&H knockwurst. Anyway, this portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Enjoy a 10% discount on all Abel's and Hyman products at kosherdogs.net with promo code radio. A&H has been serving the kosher world since 1954, and A&H products are available at Better Kosher Supermarkets Nationwide. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. And as we always say, that is an understatement. More coming up, everybody. It's JM&AM on a Friday morning. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. Our weekly update will hopefully bring us all up to date on some of the things that are going on in this uh, crazy world of ours. And I don't know if there's a, uh, a more apt description, frankly, for the world that we are in right now. More coming up. You're listening to JM&AM, and, and here's Ellie Marcus. <laughs> Oh, 
That's actually a, a Nigun done by Shua Kessin here at JM in the AM. Shlomo Kalbach before that, Kiva Moe was just in the mood to play it. Really no other explanation. Shim Kramer at Tzor Mishalom, Mordechai Ben David's classic Rachem. Ellie Marcus with Colt Sahala. JM in the AM on a Friday morning, this 12th of January, day two in the month of Shvat. Candle lighting time on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vaera is 429 in New York. 429 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We can't emphasize that enough. Um, don't forget our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you're looking for an amazing resource to uh, check out, read, and or print out, Thousands of articles regarding Israel and the Jewish world. Uh, JewishWorldReview.com is that resource. Again, JewishWorldReview.com. Check them out and enjoy. Malcolm Honline, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. It's always good to be with you. Approaching day 100. And um, look, uh, the efforts on the part of so many have been unbelievable over the last 100 days. I mean, you can't deny that. Certain social media influencers, certain members of government, Israel, the U.S., and other governments around the world, uh, positions like yours and, and leadership. I mean, a, a lot of people have really come through in terms of keeping uh, the, the narrative about the state of Israel where it should be, and, of course, keeping our hostages out there and their fate out there um, in the forefront. However, Malcolm, it's not, uh, it's not unusual for people to, to simply grow a little bit tired. Again, no criticism. That's human nature. And I don't know how long the collective world, not just Jewish world, but the world, uh, can keep the heat on regarding the fate of our hostages. What are your thoughts as day 100 approaches? And we pray, we pray that they are returned home ASAP and not, God forbid, they linger. I don't even want to say it, but you know what could happen. Uh, they linger in the hands of their captives for God knows how long. 
it's a challenge. And I think the families have shown such remarkable courage, stamina, and dedication and devotion to their loved ones that they sustain this effort day in, day out for 100 days. It's, it's an eternity. And especially when you don't know, you don't know, you know the conditions of the loved ones, where they are. And we see changes in the list every once in a while that people who were thought to be alive or not, and people who were thought to have not made it were actually are actually believed to be captives now. And you're dealing with the most barbaric enemy that possible. That the the uh, you know the world is focused on on a country fighting for its survival against uh, this horrific genocidal attack. And yet Israel is the one that gets accused of, of genocide. It's put in the docket, which is I'm sure we'll talk about. But it's so yeah. so outrageous. And for the families who have been trying to get at least the Red Cross to visit, and they're not, and you see people accusing Red Cross even of being complicit in this, they wouldn't even accept a bottle of medicine from the prime minister. So for the families, the ray of hope is the concern and the prayers and the actions of people abroad and in Israel of the sustained. A commitment to their their ultimate recovery and safety. Uh, you use the word stamina. That might be the best word. Is it? Uh, a- a- am I being too praiseworthy of the people out there who are on social media? And again, those government officials and Jewish leaders who really are, uh, are are spending a lot of time on these issues. Or is it appropriate to give them that kind of praise at this point? It's appropriate. Uh, it's sustained for an, on a very broad scale. And you have many local communities doing things. There's still the Friday table set up for the for the hostages. There are all sorts of uh, creative programs and the posters and other things in every kind of venue around the world possible, from uh, Asia to to Europe to the United States. Yes, so it is praiseworthy that that we do it. But I don't know anybody who can look at the pictures of those hostages and not see. God forbid a relative of yours there, and uh, I honestly, I don't say this, but honestly, I can't look at it. I, yeah. I, I get it. gets. I don't need to be reminded. I think of them all the time, especially the little kids, the Bebas children. Uh, I see their picture, and anybody who doesn't see their own family there is missing the picture. This could. This is against all of us. And look, they, they want to do more. They say we're going to do more, and yet the world says, you know, you got to accommodate them. You have to deal with them. There's no accommodation with people who these these kind of barbaric acts. You know that I've been paying a lot of attention to Tzvi Kelly on Israeli television, and he has basically said over the last day or so that Sinwar has zero uh, need to release any hostages to, or to agree to any deal or release at this time. He doesn't think that the, uh, meaning he, Yechaz Kelly, doesn't think that Sinwar believes that uh, Israel is acting strongly enough in Gaza uh, as, as, as powerful as the IDF has been. Um, probably not powerful enough to make Sinwar blink. And secondly, and, and, and this I think is a, a really legitimate point, the, U- the U.S. has citizens who are still being held hostage, as do other countries around the world. And it just seems to us that there's no public outrage coming from these governments. And as long as the U.S. and others don't show you know, much enthusiasm to get them out, why on earth should he or any Hamas leader agree to any deal? Well, first of all, I, I don't believe that he's indifferent to, to what Israel is doing, and he knows that, that Israel has uncovered uh, many of his colleagues and uh, removed them from the scene or arrested them. And and uh, I think, you know, when the postmortem is done, you will see how, how far and extensive 
and effective Israel's operation is that Israel will not carpet bomb everything and remembering that he is surrounded by the hostages, most likely, according to the reports, and that uh, he thinks that's a safeguard, but he is not sleeping without one eye open at night. He knows that uh, it that they'll find him eventually, uh, and I don't think Israel will stop until they do or some deal that, that accommodates this. I don't believe he should be allowed to be ex- exiled. I think he has to be removed from the scene, uh, along with the others who have been, who were responsible for it. But I don't think the determination to get him is, is diminished at all. I do believe that there are mixed signals being sent sometimes, and that when you put pressure on Israel, these, these, the terrorists then take comfort in it. Uh, it. It's like, you know, the Houthis were removed from the terrorism list. I can't believe that that was but an invitation to them to to increase their activities to show that no matter what they do they get a buy and and even now after thank god the very important actions taken by the united states and the uk yesterday finally hitting uh, sites inside yemen uh, perhaps not enough some say but i think significant that they finally did it belatedly uh, right. after 27 attacks that they, this is how terrorists think. You've got to put yourself in their mindset, not ha- how we would approach it, but how do they approach it? They could stop them. They could end the war tomorrow. Let them give up. Let the guys responsible for the attacks give up, and the war is over. My, my, the hostages. Yeah, no, I agree. My list just keeps getting longer and longer here. That's why. That's why I'm interrupting you for a second. On the, is there any reasonable reason to believe? that, that the, all the hostages are not in Gaza at this time. Everyone has, you know, conjectured that they, they've been snuck out of the, the Gaza area. They're in other countries. But, but, but chances are, and again, I know you can't predict, and I know you don't know 100%, but chances are at this point there's no reason to believe they're not all still in Gaza. Would that be safe to say? I think so. I, I, I in my meetings with uh, Israeli intelligence and, and operatives and government officials, no one has suggested that they were moved. It's obviously something that Israel is looking for. There are there is smuggling going on still along the Egyptian border. There is a belief that some people may have escaped earlier, but I don't believe that the key guys uh, got out. And uh, some listeners want to know because we discussed it last week about contacting the Red Cross because, frankly, with the UN and everybody else that people are angry at, for some reason the Red Cross. You know, we grew up with an impression that they really are there uh, to help and protect everybody to their to the level they can who's in difficult situations like this around the world. It should people who want to call the Red Cross simply call the local or national offices here in this country and lodge a complaint? I mean, it, it doesn't have to go further than that if they're being bounced around by whoever answers the phone to call somewhere else. The fact that they contact and express their outrage to these local offices here would be sufficient, right? It's actually not because the American Red Cross is independent of the International Red Cross. Ah. I think it's important that they do it so they convey the message. But the fact is that the American Red Cross has generally been supportive. And in the past, and we've had many, many meetings with them because each time the Red Cross um, which is the International Red Cross, which I believe um, that those who accuse it of complicity are not far off, that right. they, that they, um, but protesting to them and people stop contributing. Um, when you don't contribute to the American Red Cross, you hurt their efforts here in the United States. Right. And But we got to put pressure on, our, on Congress and others to take uh, actions, even sanctions, that people highlight what the Red Cross, but, but look at what some of their people have done and look at their statements. 
I mean, they're propagandists. Right. So people who want to complain directly to them, they are looking for the International Red Cross. That's who they're going to right. right. By email, by phone, whatever method, right. that's who they have to address, the International Red Cross. Note that, please, everybody. All right, why the Houthis? If Iran is, is, is the governing body, so to speak, the coordinator of all this that's going on, and we know we've thought that since October the 7th, why are the Houthis the one that they're asking to try to, uh, compel the United States to get involved and other countries to get involved uh, in in this activity. Why are they not, uh, I don't know, using Hezbollah? I mean, to a degree, you might say they are, uh, but, but using other groups or they themselves uh, to go and try to compel the U.S. to get involved. So, first of all, you have to have a willing partner, and the Houthis are more than willing to be partners in this. Second, they saw what they got away with attacking Saudi Arabia, and as I said, when the United States took them off the, uh, the terrorism list, uh, which many members of Congress are now trying to reverse, uh, that sent a signal that they were freer to act. And the and the risk is limited. So what if they bomb Yemen, one of is amongst the poorest countries, if not the poorest country in the world? They they have infrastructure there, like the storage places and other things. Nothing that they can't replace. And uh, and the Yemenis are in a position to do what they did with harassing Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia now intervenes to, against state's action, which is unbelievable given the fact that, that their airports were being hit by Houthi rockets and they were appealing for support. And now when finally action is taken against them, they're, they're uh, waffling on their position and, and uh, I think the UAE as well. I understand that they don't want to be subjects of the, of the attacks, but... The only way to do this is that Houthis should have been wiped out a long time ago, that the, the, this attack, this response should not have waited till 27 attacks. This has right. to be, and I know many military people wanted to do before, they're not a powerful thing. And you see that Iran then got directly involved. It is a direct arm of Iran. It is part of the encirclement with, with, in Iraq and Syria and Lebanon and Gaza and Yemen, uh, trying to completely encircle Israel. And, and even smuggling weapons through Jordan and everything. So the Yudhan Shamron, the West Bank, become part of that encirclement. Uh, so the the answer is it's got to be done. It's got to be done consistently. And what are and they? Are they simply a rebel group that's sympathetic to Iran? They are, uh, a, well, they, they, uh, they uh, challenge the government of Yemen first. And made inroads, and part of the pressure is that the, even Western sources said, "Oh, you should make them part of the government." No, you shouldn't. And they they uh, had successes in in Yemen. Um, the United States, others gave assistance to the government of Yemen to to try and fight them. They're not an effective fighting force, so they control certain areas, but particularly the ports. And they they are completely wholly owned subsidiary of Iran today. Wow. Are they still holding the cargo ship crew from from a month? Yes. Or, they're still hold, nobody even knows about that. Talk about hostages. Nobody even talks about them that they're still being held by the enemy. And and, and Iran seized the boat this week. Iran seized the boat. This so week. these these crew members are now being held prisoner by the Iranians at this point. They're, the, the, as far as I know, they have, they're holding them. They, they can make all sorts of claims that they're money owed. There's other things that's all untrue. This is complete provocation and interfering with international shipping, which is going to cost billions to the West Do we know because the of the increased shipping costs. Do we know the nationality of these crew members? 
They're everything. They're everything. That's what I thought. Also, you just talked about the cost and 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 how this is going to affect you know shipping around the world. I would assume, just knowing how much product comes out of China, I would assume this is really important to them, to the Chinese, that that the Houthis could take control over the area. Uh, and, and by the way, there are ships that already are 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 completely avoiding the area and taking a much longer route to get to the western part of the world. Wouldn't you think this is an opportunity for the U.S. and China to get together and you know and figure out a way because it, 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 because all of this, all the diversion is going to cost money. Meaning, if you're diverting ships and all the the costs are going to go up, as you said. Wouldn't it be to their advantage to join some type of alliance, a business alliance, to take care of this situation? So they, they number one, their ships are not being attacked, and uh, and the Houthis won't attack uh, Chinese. They won't attack Russian ships, as far as we can see. That there will be others that will not be subject to it. They're looking for American ships, UK ships, of course, under the guise that they're looking for ships going to Israel. Most of these ships, Israel, and. Um, and the Chinese have vested interests in a lot of stuff. You know how much, uh, how many weapons now from China are being discovered in Gaza and other places. You'd say, well, why is it in their interest? You know, they got the Uyghurs, they got their uh, their own Muslim problem, which nobody talks about in their persecution of their Muslim population. Doesn't the, these Muslim countries from completely succumbing to to Chinese pressure and involvement? Uh, it's one. It's another one of the enigmas of today's world and the hypocrisy that abounds. So it's it, it. Whatever I thought would be some type of economic detriment to Chinese exports, it's just not true. They're not suffering at all. Well, as far as we know, as far as I know, they haven't suffered. Uh, the, you know, the increased fees though on international shipping is going to affect everybody ultimately. I mean, China gets its, its from Iran and from Saudi Arabia. Really. Um, and uh, uh, very significant. They take the vast majority of the oil coming out of Iran and uh, shipping. They may have other routes and, and other ways of, uh, of of diverting that. But it's it, right. China will put its ideological goals above all. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world the web at AlchemSingle.com and the AlchemSingle Network and of course on the beloved NSN app if you haven't supported our 40th anniversary campaign yet please be among those donors who are supporters if you appreciate our programming go to fjbunity.org fjbunity.org and we thank you all right now to the Hague First of all, what's the procedure, Malcolm? <laughs> how does how does this get on the docket, and why so quickly? Frankly, you know, usually we look at the court systems that we're used to, and you know, you can't get a traffic hearing till a year from now. Uh, what is the procedure that gets this issue that requires Israel to send defenders to the Hague on the calendar so quickly? So. You, you make a request. This case is going to last for years. Uh. This is only the preliminary hearings. Uh, today, Israel defends itself. Yesterday, they, the South Africans and others attacked Israel. Uh, the hypocrisy of South Africa, the rape uh, capital of the world, where the crime is rampant and, and, uh, and you know, uh, unlawful, are, are bound by the government. By, uh, they uh, bring the case, the uh, agent for Iran, all the others that they, uh, 136 countries, by the way, do not support South Africa's case against Israel at the International Court, something you won't read, um, and a handful of the, of, of the great dictatorships, you know, join them. But th- th- this is only the preliminary or the first to shot now to research and, and 
uh, there are cases before the court involving Russia, which are already four or five years old, some cases even longer. It takes a long t- time, time till this is adjudicated. They may have some sort of interim where they ask for a ruling on a specific thing, but it, this is a, a, this is only the opening shot of the case. And is there anything that's a precedent? I mean, is the Hague ever busy <laughs> except when it comes to Israel? Well, as I said, they have all these outstanding cases. They don't seem to be in a rush to, to finish. Look how long it took with, uh, was it Milosevic and others that, you know, these cases drag on for years in, at the international court. And this is a propaganda ploy. It, it, South Africa is not interested in justice. South Africa is not interested in, in doesn't give a damn anybody else. They, they've long been advocates for the Palestinian issue guising it as anti-colonial and and whatever um but and they say that the palestinians were were helpful to them and jews were much more helpful to them and they disregard this completely so the 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 court how the system works is very complicated and uh, you know the comments by leading experts from the world about how you know and how um, distorted as I went to the Hague a couple of years ago when Israel was being brought in the docket and privately some of the justices said to us well we have choices this is the system etc finding uh, ways out uh, to exculpate themselves but at the same time indicting the court yeah how uncomfortable is the uh, Jewish community of South Africa right now and specifically the leaders of the community who you know, I would assume that some of them have a relationship with members of the government and they and they watch this happen. And by the way, in addition to that, I hear it's very difficult procedurally to make Aliyah from South Africa to Israel these days. So, first of all, Aliyah has always been high from South Africa. It was a very Zionist community. and um, But procedurally, it's hard they, now, right? Like, it's hard just to get the documents and to get everything need, needed and that, necessary that, to go. That is... Uh, I heard that from people as well. I, we talk to the community there regularly um, and to other communities that are under siege, uh, like Turkey, like others that uh, people don't talk about. But, you know, conditions in a lot of these countries has deteriorated, but especially in South Africa, where you have very courageous Jewish leadership, the Zionist, uh, uh, think of a Zionist board and others, the board of deputies, they, and Rabbi Goldstein, others have been very outspoken uh, in, in government, and they, they do have allies. There are there are fundamental Christian groups. There are others. There's also a strong Muslim population in South Africa. People don't. It's very strong and vocal. Uh, so this is. I mean, when I was in South Africa the last time, and I was taken to see the president. They didn't stop at a red light. They just because if you stop, you get hijacked, carjacked. Oh so literally, they slow down a little bit at a stop sign and just keep. And it's it's it. My my heart was in my mouth the whole time. I mean, this the barbed wire around people's homes, the the crime. People walk at night alone on the streets. They all have, they have guards, and um, and it's a tragedy because it's such a magnificent Jewish community, and the leadership there is so out. And and it, as I said, a very Zionistic community, a, a religious community. It's a uh, it's a tragedy to see what's happened. Speaking in the Sandston, which is right in the hotel and right next to the convention center, and the event was in the convention center. They had a guard sitting outside my hotel room, and I don't wear any jewelry. And they accompanied us inside the hotel to the convention center. 
They yeah. wouldn't let us go alone. So people's image of it. I went there in the in the eighties and uh, such a vibrant community. And unfortunately, we see what the the ANC has been so hostile. We had a meeting with them a number of years ago, and we got and threw our hands up and said, "There's no hope." Unbelievable. Uh, your impressions of the Secretary of State's uh, trip, Anthony Blinken's trip to the Middle East, and specifically, I mean, I'm assuming his conversations with Israel were, you know, basically the same as they have been over the last few weeks. But his insistence when he meets with Mahmoud Abbas, his insistence about the road to peace and the potential for peace, etc. What do you think of his visit this week? Well, you know, some of the public pronouncements uh, obviously cause concern in Israel. And, you know, when you're dealing with terrorists, if you don't show them a steel wall of opposition, if you don't show them that there's no way out for them to survive, you're never going to get them to compromise. And I think Abbas's record over the years, and to talk about him as part of the solution, is almost ludicrous. He's 86 in bad health, and uh, he, he, he doesn't enjoy the support of the Palestinian people, let alone of being able to, to be a solution. The problem is they have no other solutions right now. Yeah. And they see, you know, the, um, the demonstrations around the world growing. This has a political impact in, in different countries. Um, and the um, uh, the international court, et cetera, where the United States obviously has been very supportive of Israel and they continue on the weapons and we hope Congress will pass the quickly the aid to Israel. But in the meantime, they did do shipments to Israel and they, they've stood up for them in, in other fora. So, you know, there's always a balancing act, especially when you have a state department where I'm sure the pressure is, is significant, but I always, for comfort, I look to the statements by Kirby, the spokesman for the national security council and the way he has stood up. It's really quite remarkable. And, and Miller from state, uh, I wish that policymakers would echo that sometimes. But the, um, you know, um, uh, what's most important, Israel right now needs uh, resupplies, especially air ammunition, and, and what they're facing in the north would require, again, huge amounts. They have been getting shipments done outside of Congress, bypassing Congress under emergency acts. Uh, but they need the big package, and Israel has to learn a lesson from this, and that is to become independent in the manufacture of weapons, what? ammunition. Right. Well, yeah, I wish. Um, what's the timetable on that? I always ask you this because I, I just don't know how to follow it. When is it likely this could come to a vote in the uh, in the United States Congress? It could come to a vote any time if they, but they're fighting over the aid to Israel has a, a, an immediate majority, an absolute majority. And they, but they're using it because they want to, the aid to Ukraine does not. Right. And and then the Republicans have added to it that they want the package to include action on the south, on our southern border, which is now under discussion. And as Senator Schumer, others have indicated they have something included in it. The question is, will it be enough to satisfy them? And in the meantime, as I said, Israel got these, these um, emergency shipments, but the 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 timetable depends and, and, you know, they're, they're running also on, on, on a continuing resolution that they have to have a budget. So they're under pressure all the time to, to deal oh, with those deadlines. Right. There could be a government shutdown within a week or two, right? When is that? Like, yeah, the, a week, the, I think. yeah, the end of yeah, and, 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 the, and the possibilities they'll just do a pass a bill just to continue it till September or whatever. But this, this is very unhealthy also that every two weeks we come up with a crisis. 
Yeah, well, that's for sure. Boy, oh boy, I'll tell you. Uh, so much going on. The ADL uh, has seen an alarming surge in anti-Semitic incidents across the United States. Obviously, no surprise to you. We've been discussing this almost every week. God knows for how many months at this point. Um, Years. Yeah, correct. I'm thinking specifically since everybody revealed who they really are after this war began or after the attack of October 7th, all of a sudden uh, there's rhetoric out there that likely is leading to more anti-Semitic incidents. Uh, Are are you seeing uh, more vigilance among U.S. government officials, among local police forces, etc.? I mean, is there is there are they paying attention to this and are they committed to getting these numbers down and doing what they can to curb these incidents? So I don't know if you can give a blanket answer, but by and large, yes, I do think certainly officials in New York have been paying attention to it. I, I still think that uh, there's a lot of corruption. The fact that public schools in New York City, that we've had the incidents that we had at the uh, sports games and other things, <laughs> tells you that this cancer has infiltrated the high schools and even elementary schools. We see more and more cases of it. We saw now uh, 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 maps with the Israel removed because it turns out that the Qatari Foundation funds this program in inside the public schools, uh, and uh, and we you will find out more and more. And I, if we have time, um, much more time, I would start going into how extensive the involvement of Qatar is on the campuses in the United, the direct correlation between foreign funding and increased anti-Semitism, the fact that they get packages of scholarships when they give the money to give out as they wish, and you can be sure of who's getting those scholarships, they affect the appointment of faculty. I mean, literally every day we are uncovering more and more information, which will get out, and it's not just them. The Chinese are involved, Russia is involved, Turkey is involved. They, they um, and campuses, you see the big uh, case now with Texas A&M, yeah. which has a, a branch in, in Qatar. We have four universities or five that have it. There's going to be exposures on Cornell and many other universities coming up in the weeks ahead, like the ones on, on Penn and, and the, the, the imposition of quotas against Jewish students. There's so much to this. You just on the campus area alone, we could write 12 volumes, I think, right now, of how extensive and there are people doing really serious research. It's not haphazard comments, and then the documents on which they base it disappear from government files after it becomes public, and and, and we have real incidents of that now. It's just so much, and there, there are a lot of really good people focusing on it, trying to expose it. There are lawsuits, Lawfare Project, ISGAP, uh, the NCRI, really doing amazing things in addition to the national agencies. But the extent to which this cancer has spread I think will be shocking to people. Yeah, and uh, the, the and the youth piece to it, as you just said, is really is really something. Uh, I didn't even consider that the uh, you know that if we're seeing these types of comments and hearing about what's going on in a in a girls' basketball game, uh, imagine what um, uh, what what these uh, young people have been taught and uh, what has been fed to them over all these years. By the way, with that in mind. I get that Israel or the UN or the United States or wherever it was over all these years that we've been discussing it tried to curb the rhetoric and summer camps that the that the Gazans and the and the members of the PA's families attend and the schools and the literature and the books. As much as we thought there were changes in those areas, Malcolm, and now it does seem evident that there there really were no changes. No changes too. 
the literature, the, 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 the school books and the, and the type of uh, anti-Israel examples and, and you know, problems that, uh, that they present in a typical math or other classes, the summer camps that we thought, you know, the rhetoric was being... T- uh, there. Yeah, yeah. No, we I thought it was being... Here. No, there and, was being... T- no, but I'm worried about the ones here, too. I agree. That's why I started with that. Imagine what the kids here have been taught. But we also thought that there was this massive effort throughout the Middle East, at least that was the impression that we had years ago. There was a massive effort to, to really tone things down and bring up a next generation, you know, without the level of hate uh, that they had been taught. But in there sp- was. There was changes that Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Egypt, Morocco all changed their textbooks. You just changed them and made them worse. Um, Egypt also changed the textbooks. They removed many of the anti-Semitic and right. anti-Israel so P- P- references. and Gaza schools then probably did not, right? Absolutely did not. They're, right. they're worse than ever. Right. They trained their kids. You saw the summer camps right. were for, for terrorism and how they trained in, in how to kill Jews. I mean, yes, it's it, those things. They did not change and, and they continue to get support. And, and uh, you know, we're pouring billions of dollars of aid into Gaza. Why didn't they make that a demand on the Europeans and everybody else who's pressing Israel, which provided electricity, water? other things fuel these got people didn't pay gazans didn't pay for all of those things and they destroyed the, the i'm sorry he listened on npr every day the distortions the lies if you want to know how they're influencing us between yeah. the bbc and npr yeah. um, it's it's unbelievable yeah 100 percent. finally malcolm let's leave all the personalities out it's obvious to the people who listen to this that that you have close relationships with many people in the israeli government but but as objectively as possible don't you think it's time now to to really consider you know a a change in leadership? And I'm not saying this anti Bibi. I'm just saying in general there has to be a point. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they'll say it's after Pesach. Maybe they'll give a, a, a different time limit. But at some point there has to be you know new elections with with a new leader who hopefully will be able to you know to give a direction of unity and 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 start to you know, to, to make peace with the situation at hand. Um, I, I was thinking this from the beginning. You know, I was one of the first to call for Netanyahu to resign and go to elections immediately. I get that a lot of people didn't think it was a good idea. In fact, you were one of them who didn't think it was a good idea. But at what point is it a good idea? Not now. Really? Because while you're in a war and while you're engaged in the conflict, the, the least thing you need is a divisive political internal battle. It exists already. Even and, if I tell you the and, war, God forbid, will last a long time. And they, they will speculate. It, no, the time will come when, uh, as it, if it extends, uh, as long as you suggest. But I think right now, facing what we do in, in Lebanon and uh, facing the situation in Gaza and the region and beyond, right now we need a, a unity to, to sustain. An election will be divisive by its very nature, and in Israel very much so. Right. Uh, I think it would be hard even to contemplate what could emerge. It could be a coalition, a coalescence of forces, but you have that now. Uh, if Gantz quits the government, I think that would change things. And if Gantz and the others uh, walk out, which is not impossible. Uh, but I think right now an election, this is not the time either for recriminations or elections, investigations into the causes and to how what, what happened is already being uh, designed and uh, de- determined by the military and by uh, half a dozen others will all get into what happened, why it happened, how is it that they weren't prepared. But that will also be very divisive and hold military and other people to account. 
at a time when we need them focused on on the war and the and the challenges that Israel faces there and globally. You know, having people campaign during the middle of this, I think, would be a, a really bad diversion. Even though, based on what you told this us, this is personal. Even and, though, and, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm, no just... I'm, I'm saying that. And if you can tell me that there's one person that can unite everybody right now and lead them out of this darkness, okay. But I know BB's very low, but I don't see and and others are higher. Uh, people, some of whom are not proven leaders, and some. Uh, the question is whether they could put together a coalition. Maybe some sort of an interim measure of that kind will ultimately be necessary. But I don't know that an old wouldn't do anything but drain necessary energies. Right. I mean, last week you seemed to indicate that certain people are campaigning already, but I guess that's an informal campaign right. as, as opposed to the formal campaigns that, as you suggest, are usually divisive and uh, usually uh, quite enthusiastic. Uh, we'll put it that way. Um, well, uh, it's, uh, what, what can I say? We approach day 100. I know that there are certain gatherings that are going to be taking place this weekend to commemorate that. A call a vote. I mean this seriously to those who are keeping the hostage issue at the forefront. It's over three months and people, as you know, these days get very tired and a lot of people get very tired of hearing it. And certainly people get tired of, you know, hitting the streets and keeping it in the public eye. So all I could say is a thank you to those around the world who are really, uh, giving it their all and making sure that nobody forgets about uh, our brothers and sisters that are still in captivity. And, and they should, everybody has a responsibility to get this message out. There's a very significant part of the American population that doesn't believe October 7th happened, just as 20% of, of young people think the Holocaust is a myth and almost half have doubts about the authenticity of the report. So it's constant education. Don't give up. This is about our future, about Israel's future, the future for the Jewish people, our children, grandchildren. There's so much at stake. And as I said, if and they knew what was going on on the campuses, and now people are applying to campuses. Check out what the security situation for Jews are on those campuses yeah. and how welcoming they really are today. It's changed, and people are not quite aware of it. But also in the public schools, in the in the elementary schools, we're already seeing manifestations of, of this hatred. Even They don't know where Gaza is or what the history is, and they know very little about anything today that a yell, you know, from the river to the sea. Yeah. By the way, a lot of people want to visit Israel. Not enough have, obviously, and not a criticism, uh, but a lot of people do want to go. Uh, have you heard anything about the potential of the airline prices to Israel dropping at all in the near future, or is this something you haven't heard anything about? I mean, I've heard rumors about it, but you know that several airlines, uh, Lufthansa, Swissair, Alitalia, others are flying or announced that they're flying. Uh, which will always help. Uh, El Al is flying full now, airline and charging an arm and a leg for for tickets. But people are filling the planes. People do want to go. The missions, the hotels are full with American missions and European missions of people showing solidarity. Some hotels, right? And and it's imperative that they uh, continue. Other hotels are also still full with refugees, and we right. we don't talk enough about the internal the two hundred thousand people, eighty five thousand from the north and. 100 plus thousand from the south who are are displaced and who who haven't been home now and we don't know what it will take to rebuild their communities or to make it possible for them to go back we shouldn't forget them and the aid and the money the chesed that's being done we need to continue to support it but check first the veracity of the of the places you're giving money to see if they 
Do it only with places you trust, because unfortunately there are those who take advantage of these circumstances. Yeah, what a what uh, what the enemy has done, my God, on so many levels. What the enemy has done with this whole episode. Uh, all right, Malcolm, have a wonderful Shabbos. Thanks for joining us. We'll speak, please God, next week. The Shabbos day. Malcolm Honline, uh, Malcolm Honline, Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Candle lighting in New York at uh, 429 on this era of Shabbos, 429. Make sure you know when things start where you are, 429 on this era of Shabbos. Legal holiday Monday in the United States. Some people will likely be off on Monday, but we'll be here starting at 6 a.m. Make sure to join us. Matis with JM Sunday, Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. Tomorrow night, Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. Saturday night, Siegel at 9 o'clock. Um, Mark Zamek, uh, Erev Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. It's happening today, 10 a.m. Eastern time, followed by the Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos music mix and, of course, the final hour at about 3.30 Eastern time, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And we thank them. Uh, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Wow. I have this chus to speak to you from Yerushalayim. I happen to be in Harnof. It's been raining the last day. And today, Baruch Hashem, Gishmei Bracha, even though on the one hand we feel even more for the Chayalim, Hashem should watch over them and bring them home safely and com- enable them to complete their Avodas HaKodesh successfully while it is challenging for them to fight in the rain, but we understand that there is Gishmei Bracha for the land, so the environment in which they are fighting is one of Bracha. Wherever you go, you see signs that Biyachad Ninatseach and Am Yisrael Chai, there is this strong feeling of optimism within the air that this challenge and crisis that we are presently undergoing is most difficult. But on the other hand, the miracles that the soldiers can tell you that they've seen literally the miracles that they experience every day, these divine winks that they get, give all of Am Yisrael encouragement. And needless to say, your Awatfilos and your Tfilos and our Talmud Torah and your Talmud Torah is going to help fulfill those beautiful words Tomorrow morning we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vo'era. In Parshas Vo'era we have seven out of the ten Makos. And just understand 
that these makos, these plagues, are being brought for two reasons. On the one hand, they are punitive, they're a punishment to Mitzrayim, as HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised Abraham Avinu that Begamas HaGoi Asher Ya'avodu Don Anochi the nation that oppresses them I will judge and Rashi says on the spot I will bring the Eser Makos now understand that these ten plagues as the Torah itself says in three different places in Vo'era, in chapter 8, Pasuk 18, Lamanteda, in order that you shall know, Mitzrayim should know, but you, Bnei Yisrael, should know, Ki Ani Hashem I am God in the midst of the land. And in chapter 9, Pasuk 14, the Torah says, Lamanteda ki There's none like me in the midst of the land. And finally, towards the end of the parsha, chapter nine, Pasuk twenty nine, Lamanteda that you shall know, Kilashem that the land belongs to Hashem. <coughs> Further, I'd like to focus on the very beginning of the parsha and the very important lesson that is there for us, especially today. Hashem begins the parsha with giving Moshe Rabbeinu a slap on the wrist. Namely, at the end of last week's parsha, Moshe cries out to God, says, Lomahariosa, Amazem, why have you sent me? Why have you done bad to these people by sending me? And now that I've come, things have not gotten better, they've only gotten worse. So how does Hashem answer him? Moshe, I have to tell you something. To the Ovos, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, I appeared with the name Bekeil Shakai. I appeared with the name God Shakai. Now, what does Shakai mean? The Talmud teaches us that it is really a composition, an allusion to two words. Sha'omar, sorry, three. Sha'omar la'olamo dai. God said enough, meaning that. When it comes to the land and creation, he stopped the oceans of thousands of miles of water at a particular place. Hashem said, Dai. Sha'amar Dai. He said, Enough. And therefore, we have land. When Hashem gave the bris to Abram Avinu, he introduces it with anikel shakai, which means that circumcision is going to differentiate between the Jew 
and the rest of the world. And God is saying, die. It's enough that I have the Jewish people performing the 613 as opposed to the other nations of the world who have Zion mitzvos b'nei Noach, the seven mitzvos of Noahide. And God appears to Yitzchak as well with the name of Kel Shakai and to Yaakov. However, the name of Shilkak Kil Shakai, Rashi explains, Hiftachtim Haftochos. I promised them many different promises, and I use the name Kel Shakai, but the difference is that Kel Shakai are promises that they did not see the actualization thereof. God promised the land to Avram, and yet when he needed to bury Sarah, he pays an exorbitant amount of money for the burial plot. God promises Yitzchak, this land is your land, and yet what happens? He needs water, and the plishtim stop up his water. In his, quote, land, he has to keep moving from place to place till he gets his water. Hashem promises Yaakov at his dream with the ladder and the angels, this land is your land, and yet when he comes back to Eretz Yisrael, he has to purchase the city of Shechem with Bimeok Sita. And they did not complain about Hashem's not fulfilling. But you complained. So with you I am now using a different name the name of Hashem, and Rashi explains that the name of Hashem is that God is going to literally ames, from the word emes, going to fulfill the prophecy, and they will see it in their lives, which is true, as we know, the ten plagues, the splitting of the Red Sea, and Hashem supported B'nai Yisrael, giving them the Torah. And if not for a mistake of hitting instead of speaking to the rock, Moshe would have led them into Eretz Yisrael. But the name of Hashem is the name of Hashem fulfilling His promise that you could actually see it happening before your eyes. So now... I'd like to suggest the following. Every Shemona Esrei that we say in the first bracha, Hashem redeems his, the grandchildren of the Avos, Laman Shemo Be'ahava, for his name's sake with love. Now, which name are we talking about? Are we talking about the name Kel Shakai? Or are we talking about the name Hashem? And I believe the answer is both. The name Kel Shakai is tying us to our past, how the Avos and all the preceding generations before us believed, even though Hashem had not yet 
fulfilled his promise to us. And the Shem Hashem, that God literally actualizes his promise is what keeps us going as well in the future. Past and future are both included in Now, I'd like to point out that as we have experienced redemption in the past, so too will we experience redemption in the future. This is not just wishful thinking. This is authentic Jewish belief. Let's start with the following. On the Pasuk in the Shira, where we say that a Kurdish borough, he, he does wonders. The Meshachachma refers you to the Pasuk in Micha, whereby the Pasuk reads, Ki meitzeischa me'eres Mitzrayim erenu nifla'os. In Micha chapter 7, verse 16, it happens to be the, I'm sorry, 15, it happens to be in the last paragraph of the Navi Micha, and the Pesach is, Ki meitzeischa me'eres Mitzrayim erenu nifla'os. As in the days when you left the land of Egypt, I will show it wonders. Wow. Now what does that mean, Hashem is going to show wonders? So, the Meshachachma is so powerful. Meshachachma writes that as Hashem did wonders with our forefathers, so too He will do wonders literally with us. And what is a wonder? A wonder is something that is something that we could not imagine on our own. Whoa. And he gives the following example. That when the telegraph was first invented, people saw this as an incredible pillar, an incredible wonder. You could literally send a message from one part of the world to the farthest part of the world. Amazing. This was a hafle fulfilla, an incredible wonder. But now, listen carefully. When the telephone came, which is a much more sophisticated, advanced form of communication, even though there's much more chachma in the telephone, it wasn't as great a innovation as the telegraph because we already had communication. Now, instead of the Morse code, you were able to actually communicate by phone. Needless to say, an incredible advancement. But think about it, the concept of communication was already there. The Meshachachma explains that in the future, 
Hashem will bring wonders. What does that mean? Something that we could not imagine at all. And therefore, the Gemara says in Kedushin 69b the following. When we have Lachain, says the Navi, the days will be coming. Lo yomar old. It will not be said anymore in the future. Chay Hashem. In the future, we're not going to say, Thank you, Hashem, for bringing us out of Egypt. Rather, Meaning that he's, we're going to say in the future, Thank you, Hashem for bringing us back from where we were, but the method in which it's going to happen is something which we cannot, in our minds, even anticipate. Just as no one anticipated Kriyas Yamsuf, Hashem said, don't worry, I will take care of it. And does He ever, in a way that none of us could have imagined, so too will be the final uh, fulfillment of the Geula Hasida. And I urge you to take a look at the last Ramban, I'm sorry, the first Ramban in Parshas Vayechi. And as his theme of Masi Ovo Simon Lubanim, just as what happens in the Torah is a portent for what will be happening in the future, so too by Mitzrayim, when Yaakov, in the long uh, elaboration that the Torah describes about the funeral and burial of Yaakov, and it's called Evil Mitzrayim, the people of great of Mitzrayim had great mourning because they realized what they lost. They realized that Yaakov Avinu was the one that caused the famine to stop. They realized that he was a man of God. They realized that the Jewish people were protected by God. As this was in the past, take a look at the Ramban, the first, second paragraph in the first Ramban. So too this is going to be in the future. Listen to his golden words. Vanachnu bo kimosim. We are, I'm sorry, Kemesim. We are as dead as Yaakov dies in Vayachi. We too are like dead in Golos. Omrim, and we say, Yovshu Atzmosenu. Literally, our bones are dried up. Nixar Nulano. Unfortunately, there are decrees against us. But here goes. Vyalu Osanu Mikova Amim Minchol Hashem. Hashem will bring us up in the future as a mincha, as an offering to Him. The rest of the world is going to mourn and cry. How and why? When they will see the honor and prestige 
that Hashem is going to provide for the Jewish people in the future, whoa, they're going to cry as to how and regret as to how they mistreated us with all the anti-Semitism that has come out of the woodwork over the last three months. This is our response. We're not sure. We are positive. Read the end of the Ramban, opening one on Vayachi. V'yelehem evil kovod, they're going to cry. Birosam kodeno, when they see how wrong they were in putting the Jews down, in Lo'aleinu, supporting the Palestinian. V'yanachnu nireh, and we will be privileged to see b'nikmas Hashem, and Hashem avenging our enemies. Yekimenu v'nichya l'fanav. Please God, this will all be fulfilled before His greatness. Wow. We are going through a crisis today, but we are promised by our Nevi'im, our Talmud, and our davening every day, Laman Shemo, Pa'ava, the best is yet to come with love. Shabbat Shalom to all.
ישראל אדוני את אויבינו הקמים עלינו ניגפים לפניהם. הקדוש ברוך הוא ישמור ויציל את חיילינו מכל צרה וצוקה, מכל נגע ומחלה וישלח ברכה והצלחה בכל מעשה ידיהם. ידבר שונאינו תחתיהם ויעטרם בכתר ישועה ובעטרת ניצחון ויקוים בהם הכתוב. Brand new prayer for the IDF, Misha Berach. Um, Nathaniel Herstig, the great cantor, and the Maccabees, featuring Lieutenant General Benny Gantz, uh, participating um, Jacob Spadaro, TABC Studio 1600 Choir, Yavne Academy Choir of Paramus, Harkham Hill Hebrew Academy Choir in L.A., and Yeshiva College Choir in Johannesburg, South Africa. Wow. That's quite a piece. That is quite a piece, to say the least. Brand new. You'll find it on YouTube and probably a million other places. Cantor Natanel Hirschdick and um, and the Maccabees and Company. Wow, that was pretty amazing. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM and the AM. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Full weekend schedule. Candlelighting in New York is 429. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 429 is candlelighting. Legal holiday in the United States is coming um, Monday. We'll be here, however. Make sure to be tuned in here at JMNAM. Those of you who have not yet supported our 40th anniversary campaign, we ask that you do so if you appreciate our programming and you enjoy what you hear each and every day fjbunity.org again that's fjbunity.org and we thank you fjbunity.org and we say thank you very very much Mo Rabbi Yudin spoke about the words Laman Shmo and when I hear those uh, with those words I can't help but think of this amazing selection from Chaim David Friday morning Erev Shabbos it's JM in the AM Oh. 
song. What a song. Love it. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos with candle lighting at 429. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Pretty amazing. Time to say good Shabbos. Journeys, JM in the AM.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemySingle.com and the AlchemySingle Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday and a great week here at JM and the AM. Pray for our hostages, our brothers and sisters, as day 100 approaches. Pray for our IDF soldiers as they continue to defend the land of Israel, the state of Israel, and Jews around the world. 
And um, it was a difficult week as more of our fallen soldiers, or I should say the list of our fallen soldiers has grown. Let's keep in mind those families who are suffering in Israel and beyond. Uh, coming up, 10 a.m., Erev Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, and plenty more all day long, of course, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Matis, Sunday morning, 7 a.m., live with JM Sunday. And Monday morning, I, I look forward to speaking with you on JM in the AM. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Till next time, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.